0: So it begins.
1: Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be checking with the precursors and talking about Jack 2 for the PlayStation 2. I'm Chris.
0: And I'm Katie.
1: Our dark eco is topped off. Let's talk games. Let's do it so we're on to episode 18 we had a good run of short games and then we kind of got backed up for slightly longer games so we've been struggling a little bit in the last couple episodes
0: yeah we uh we get a little off topic what you all don't get to hear are the lovely ramblings of chris and i two people who love to ramble
1: and we have
0: great editing that makes us sound way more coherent than we actually are when we ramble. So if you've been joining us for our streams, you've noticed we've played a lot of this game recently to catch up, uh, because this is one of our longer games, so we played a lot of it, but we somehow have had a run of games that have broken Chris or I at various times, and this one was added to the pile. (laughs) We, We keep breaking ourselves on the stream. <laughs> it's very entertaining if you come watch us, I like to think. So come watch us on stream as our our, our regular plugs of check us out on Twitch, GWGW GW show. But we, yeah, we've broke ourselves on Super Mario Brothers. I struggled with Star Fox. I also struggled with Chuck Yeager, which was before this. This game had its moments where both of us had Very angry moments. Chris got real angry on stream.
1: Yeah, I think you said in the chat, this is the most angry that I've seen you at a game. And I'm not sure if that's wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You are typically the calmer of the two. I am definitely the more heated personality of the (laughs) two of us. And you got real angry streaming Jack too, which was funny and entertaining. This segment is becoming our regular plug for watch us on stream. We're really entertaining. We love talking. That is what gets us through to be fair, some of these rougher games is talking to people.
1: Oh gosh, absolutely.
0: We love hearing from people. Uh really appreciate. It. We had some great uh new followers who came and were showing us, you know, behind the scenes stuff about the game. We love seeing it. Check us out on the Twitch, GWGW show. We are so close to being affiliate. We'd really love to just have that under our belt and feel cool about ourselves. So come check us out. It's a lot of fun.
1: I do judge myself based on social media following. So please (laughs) give me validation. Please.
0: Validate us.
1: I have no self-worth other than social media.
0: (laughs) So join us on the stream, see us get angry, But it's time for video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! (laughs) So Chris, what's today's video game trope of the day?
1: This episode's trope of the day is Cerebus Syndrome. So it's based on a comic book from probably the early 80s. So the Cerebus Syndrome is when pretty much things get real in any sort of comical setting so you go from everything's light and happy to what happened like all of a sudden it takes a dramatic turn for crazy and this is based on the cerebus the aardvark which was a comic from a long time ago but this has been kind of adapted into regular media where it's like everything's light and happy and then all of a sudden we're super, super serious and it's a a kind of a right-hand turn.
0: But more than just dark and serious, it often brings in more plot is a key element to this as well. Yes. It's the fact that it used to be like going from being episodic to having arcs. That's what often happens. You make a turn... A very dramatic turn and normally comes, again, with more serious plot lines. That's a key element, especially when we're talking about video games that fall into this trope. And specifically, as we now fully admit to, I suppose, our tropes always relate to our game of the episode. (laughs) This actually, in video games, has now been known as the Jack 2 Syndrome. They've actually, in a lot of senses, renamed it to the Jack 2 Syndrome because... Jack 2 is the perfect example of this in video game
1: form. Absolutely.
0: Jack 2 falls 100% into this trope. It 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 almost defines it now in a yeah. more modern sense because as we said this was the Cerebus was an older comic in the 80s. Obviously Jack 2 is way more modern, so it is a more modern ad- adaptation especially in video game media. Other video games that can fall into this same trope? I specifically was zeroing in on games that Similar to Jack 2, instead of within the game itself, making that pivot, a second game in the series or another game in the series, I should say, that falls into this trope. So for example, Mega Man to the Mega Man X series. So Mega Man was just, hey, beat the bosses and then you're done. And then Mega Man X is like, hey, there's a virus that's killing everyone in the world. Right. Go sonic tried to do that with their like super dark he's a were hedgehog yeah (laughs) that fell on
1: its face it it was it was an attempt but didn't work
0: Uh, shadow the hedgehog was another attempt to go gritty because he had a gun and it was like no please stop sonic please another one that falls within the trope might not fit a hundred percent is wolfenstein 3d so Wolfenstein 3D was, while a serious game because you're killing a bunch of Nazis, it was still relatively comedic. It was funny. It was It was pulpy. yeah. It was pulpy. And then you get to Wolfenstein the New Order, and there's a plot. It's not just going around killing Nazis. It's, oh, the Nazis have actually won and are taking over the United States, and you're a spy within Europe trying to take down the organization. Like, there's actual right. significant plot. That's fair. And so I think that is the same idea of going into this new avenue and having arcs and storylines that just didn't exist before.
1: And I feel like you see this in a lot of other mediums. It's very, very prevalent in cartoons. Mm -hmm. Like look at Adventure Time. Adventure Time is very fun, happy, but then every time the Lich shows up, it just gets super serious out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think uh, like Gargoyles did the same thing. It was very episodic problem of the episode and then all of a sudden you get into this weird Shakespeare times and it, it it's a two season that. plot. Yeah, it's so good.
0: I mean Gargoyles
1: go watch Gargoyles if you haven't watched oh, Gargoyles. So good
0: cartoons i think are really a great example of going from being episodic to being like you could just watch any episode in any sort of order and it wouldn't matter to suddenly a lot of times when they get more serious and suddenly there's an overarching plot and there's some sort of greater story a funny one i bring up is uh dragon ball to dragon ball z
1: oh my god yeah
0: dragon ball was really really episodic and really just comedic
1: it was just silly yeah
0: and then Dragon Ball Z had plot lines. I mean, it was still silly and funny, but there were plots in Dragon Ball Z and
1: stories. And in lines. Dragon Ball Z, people started dying. Like, yeah. I mean, death had no consequence, but people <laughs> were still dying. I mean, Absolutely. look at look at uh, Control Alt Delete. It was a gag-a-day comic, and then there was the infamous loss yeah. comic. So that's that's one of your er ur- examples of the Cerebus syndrome. Like. Yeah. All of a sudden, we've got a miscarriage in this webcomic about video games. So I feel like this was a longer than usual trope of the day, but it's a very impactful one. It's a very, very useful when it's done correctly trope.
0: So when this trope is used right, like in the game we're about to talk about, It is just so impactful. It works so well. So that's why the Cerebus Syndrome was our trope of the day.
1: Trope of the day! (laughs) All right, Katie, let's talk about the game of the episode.
0: So Jack 2 or Jack 2 Renegade in Europe and Oceania.
1: Which I didn't realize was a thing.
0: Yeah right. I kept seeing it referred to as Renegade. I'm like, what is this Renegade? So yeah, that's in Europe and Oceania. So it was released in 2003 by Naughty Dog for the PS2, and it's a platformer with third-person shooter elements.
1: Yeah, this was a very hard game to classify.
0: It is very hard. I'm gonna still put it in platformer officially, but it covers a lot of categories.
1: Platformer, adventurer, (laughs) gunformer,
0: gunformer. Ooh, I like that.
1: This is setting the stage for a lot of Naughty Dog games to come.
0: So, it was very, very, very well received. It got an aggregate score of 87 out of 100 on Metacritic and a game ranking score of 88%. IGN specifically gave it a 9.5 out of 10 saying Naughty Dog weighs in with the heavy guns, a dark story and mature content. And unlike pretty much every other platformer in the world, the story here is filled with characters you'll either love or hate. It's the story that gives this game the feeling that it's an adventure like Indiana Jones or even Max Payne.
1: It did have a fun Indiana Jones moment where Jack dove through a dropping wall and it's like, where's his fedora? Oh, his fedora is Daxter. So he grabbed Daxter. He
0: grabbed Daxter. So critics didn't give Jack Two a perfect score for pretty much two specific reasons. And they both relate to reasons that Chris and I had issues, which were the shortage of mission checkpoints and overall difficulty. <laughs> In fact, one of the Naughty Dog developers, Josh Schur, actually admitted, one thing that everyone can agree on, though, is that the game is just way too fucking hard. Which is hilarious. (laughs) IGN actually named Jack 2 the eighth hardest game on the PS2, which we can attest to.
1: It makes me feel slightly better.
0: (laughs) A quote that really stood out to me was from U.S. PlayStation magazine that said, it isn't proper to expect us to be perfect in order to make up for your game's many imbalances. Oh! Life might not be fair, but I certainly expect my games to be.
1: They're doing the work for us. Yeah. In this episode.
0: But really, overall, the critics did love this game and complimented how really in depth the game went beyond other games of its same generation. In fact, when they were remastering Jack and Daxter, Jack Two and Jack Three for the PS3. Uh, mass media who are the ones who did the remaster talked about the fact that there was coding in these games they had never seen before even though their job is to remaster games and that naughty dog did things that no one had ever done before
1: that was so fascinating
0: just to take advantage of basically everything about the ps2 so these games are so in depth and you can see it when you play the games it's just really really clever what they did with it it's why people like it even though it is ridiculously hard you can see the love that they put into this game and the fans really reciprocated that love and there's a lot of passion and love for this series still i didn't do a speed run on this because this game's really not meant for a speed run
1: it's really not
0: but as you can already tell i am one of those fans who just adores this game and loves this game So let's go back to the past, play that Chi Ocarina of Time, and let's talk about Jack 2 before we got a chance to play Jack 2.
1: Let's go. So that Ocarina means we are back into the past before we have actually played this game so we could try to get our memories and impressions before we go back and play it again so katie what do you remember and what can you tell me about jack 2
0: so i will add a huge huge caveat at the beginning of this i played jack 2 so many times in the last decade or so Um, most recently i think around two years ago i was playing it i didn't finish the game but I was doing another playthrough because I downloaded it on my PS4. So that's how recently I've played it. Um, So there is a little bit of cheating on my memories there, (laughs) but I think that shows how much I I love this series. Still, I talked to, you know, in our earlier episode, we talked about how much I love Jack and Daxter, which is still probably my all-time favorite just because it was the first, but Mm -hmm. I I, I loved this series. And so... uh, when I got the opportunity to play it again, I'm going to play it again. Whether it was on the PS2, whether it was downloading a new version on the PS3 or PS4, like I was going mm-hmm. to play it again. So the answer is I remember a lot about this game. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I played it like whenever the remastered or yeah. came out for PS3. Yeah. Pretty sure I bought it and I played Jack 2 for, I mean, not even that long, maybe like a, a half a dozen hours before I got distracted and moved on to something else. But it's it's been a bit for me, yeah. I will definitely say.
0: For this section, I'll talk more about, like, what do I remember about the playthrough the first time? Which I think is just as relevant here. Yeah. And the key is this is a very different game than Jack and Daxter in the sense oh, yeah. of, like, you have guns, you have... Yeah, a, you have a gun. It's an open world, essentially. Gun. Not entirely, but it's much more open world styled. Um, It is. Yeah. Even
1: if the first game was pretty open with the level design, but this one is definitely a a open.
0: There was still a lot of linearity to the first one of like, there are three paths and then you finish them and you move on. Whereas this is like, there's a lot more, you get multiple missions at times that you can decide which you do enough. I mean, you're supposed to do them all eventually. But the point is, it was a lot more open. You, f- It felt a lot more free. But at the end of the day, it still felt like a Jack and Daxter game. It still was the same type of game. All the moveset was the same from the original game of the roll jump, the double jump, right. the, the spin kicks, the punches. Like, that was all the same. And Daxter had the same kind of humor, a little more mature at times, but it was still the same type of humor. And I never felt like, even though it was a very different game, and if... I was presented a game of like, oh, it's a third person shooter that with a bit of platforming. I don't know if I would have played that game. I
1: right. wanted to
0: play Jack 2 because it was a sequel to Jack and Daxter. And they didn't make me feel like I wasn't playing a Jack, a sequel to Jack and Daxter. It always felt like it was in the same family. It always felt like it was the same. It, it felt like it was the same type of game, even though it really wasn't in the grand scheme of things. It was very different.
1: It was totally different. I feel like yeah. too. Like they try to be go with like the dark and edgier yeah. cuz he gets like captured? Yeah, yeah, like
0: right at the beginning of the game. Yeah. It's really fun they do connect it directly to the end of the last game that if you get all 101 power cells, you get the precursor door mm-hmm. thing. Mhm.
1: And whatever it, it
0: comes out and so it starts the game being like this precursor door we're messing with we're messing with more precursor technology and you look exactly the same as you well like a slightly upgraded version of graphics right right but version as you did in the first game and you go through this portal and then suddenly you get captured immediately and he says like oh jack i'm going to save you in no time i'll get you out of there in no time and then Yeah, it's It's like a
1: smash cut. Yeah,
0: smash cut SpongeBob-esque two years later. And you're like, oh, (laughs) Daxter, (laughs) come on. But then but that's the point is like that humor is there immediately right off the bat. And as soon as you see Daxter again, the fact that he Mm -hmm. goes on to to Jack because, you know, he hasn't said anything. And he's like, just, Jack, are you okay? Okay, say something for once in your life. Cause the whole joke is he never spoke in the he first game. He never spoke in
1: the first game, right. And
0: then he speaks and it's just like, wait, Jack talks. What? And he speaks he- the rest of the game. And like, that is like just a reality as we move forward. But it was uh-huh. just so well done of like that same humor of like, speak to me. And then he does it yeah. and he's like, Ooh, you don't have to talk that loud. It's fine. And it was just
1: like <laughs> I'm. I'm trying to remember. I don't like. I don't know if I would classify it as a as a third person shooter. I feel like it still was a very solid platformer. You know,
0: I mean, there was with still, a gun. It was a like... platformer with a gun. That is a good point. Yeah, it still was very much a platformer. Platforming was still a huge element of the game, but shooting was also a huge element of the game. Oh like, yeah, you definitely get away with. It's not like they shooting. they
1: took that like you could shoot the yellow eco in the original and yes. then. And evolved it, it. But I think there were, there were what, four weapons? Pretty sure? Yes.
0: It was four. And there was. It was four like was attachments to your gun.
1: That's right. And there were different colors. Like yes. there was like red was like the, the shotgun version, right? The short range. The scatter, yeah. Scatter. Uh, yellow was the longer mm-hmm. range,
0: I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm.
1: And then this is when it falls. Was there a purple?
0: Yes. But what did it do?
1: I don't even remember that was that one was like one you got late game and did like weird it was
0: like bazooka-esque that it was a bomb that you basically shot off a bomb
1: grenade launcher
0: bazooka something to that effect yeah
1: I can't remember the the fourth one it, it wasn't green
0: no but what other eco color was there
1: that's what I'm trying to think. Was it blue?
0: It was blue. Okay.
1: That's what I was going around all the eco colors. I was like, I'm pretty sure it, it mostly coated it the yep. same way. They kept
0: it in those same colors. Now, blue was the uh, machine gun style that you could shoot a lot of bullets really quickly.
1: Ah, okay.
0: But, I, you know, not only adding the guns and everything, I think the other big change that It still felt natural but was very different than the original game of in Jack and Daxter, you went to someone, they gave you a mission, you did the mission, you got a power cell. In this game, the missions were more were similar to like a GTA style of you go back to the same people and they give you different missions over and over again kind of thing. Right. But more than that is in the main game, you because you only interacted with those people once, and then you stop, you you finished their mission, and you moved on, you didn't really get attached to anyone. But right. Jack and Daxter, obviously, the Green Sage, Samos, and Kira, our, our original Wrench Wench, from our first trope I think we ever did.
1: Yeah, uh, it's close if it's not.
0: Yeah, and that's it. It was really the four of you throughout the game that you really got
1: attached right. to.
0: Right. That's not the case in Jack 2. The cast is so much bigger. There's a lot
1: of people, because yeah. Because you
0: go back to the same people over and over and you get to know them and you get they have personality like distinct personalities that stand out and some of them make it into later games and and all that i mean kira and samos are still there Mm -hmm. which is great i will say jack's outfit changes he's evolved he has long hair now it's a thing
1: yes it's the dark eco thing is that what you were referencing Yes. So you've got, like, dark eco power-ups Yes, yeah, so this time. instead of
0: having all the different color eco powers, you have dark eco powers. But you see, again, there's definitely allusions to the old eco because, like, the health packs are still green. Right. And, and stuff like that. No, but what I was going to say is Jack changes outfits because, you know, he's, he's he's darker now, so he gets, like, a different outfit. His hair's grown out because it's been two years. His whole look Started listening changes. to Linkin Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. In a way that would drive Lisa absolutely bonkers Kira looks exactly the same when you encounter her. Her (laughs) outfit is the same. Her waist is still stupid, like unreasonably skinny. It is nothing has changed about her. And it's just like, really, guys, you couldn't evolve her at all.
1: Do you meet a resistance leader? I feel like that's one of the characters, right? You
0: do right at the beginning. One of the first people who gives you missions is Torn.
1: Yeah, that's his name. That's right.
0: And so, well, and they all have, they're all the same whatever race Jack is because they have the long... Point they're the long LC-
1: elf ears.
0: But he, he basically says he is in the resistance and he's like the very first person who starts giving you missions.
1: I do. One of my notes for the for this segment, I, I wrote that it's more mission-based than kind of organic, mm-hmm. go find stuff. Yeah. Because even like the missions in the first game were like, you know, just go get the, there is a power cell here or go get this... Yeah one fetch quest thing and i'll give you a power cell and this is like do this mission yeah and and, and, and complete this task
0: ironically even though it seems more open world there's more of those moments of like in jack and dexter there were certain things you had to do but most of the tasks you could choose of the like 15 per area which you did or whatever right that's not really the case as much in this game there are a lot more tasks you have to do to progress
1: well, that's what I'm, I'm trying to remember. if it, it almost felt like they created a different instance of mm. these outworlds yeah. for different missions, if I remember correctly. Like, I, I don't remember. This will be interesting to, to go back and see if it did that. It's like there were definitely certain conditions or different things that that behaved certain ways based on the mission that you were doing. Yes.
0: Yeah. I will say another thing about the world that, again, it, that makes you remind you that you're still in a Jack and Daxter world is while you are in a very different place than where you start, there's elements that still remain the same. You still find precursor orbs. They're a lot more rare because Daxter tiles you right off the bat that he's like, oh, those are really unusual around here to find precursor that's, orbs. That's what
1: I was trying to remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they became like the, the super secret collectible yeah, this time. So,
0: like, I think in the game there's like a total of 250 Five or something like that in the game world, probably more than that, but still, like, somewhere around that number. Whereas, if you think about the old game, it was like trade in 120 for just some random power cell, like, constantly. So, you got like thousands by the end, or well, probably a thousand or so. Whereas in this game, they're much more rare, they're not like a common currency anymore. But, like, things like the bike that you use, the speeder you use, the The zoomer, the zoomer, yeah, zoomer that you get in the first game. There's a bunch of them now all over the world because there's vehicles in this game. Like there's a ton of vehicles yeah, constantly you could, through this outside
1: game. I, that's I do remember being able. It's like we could steal vehicles now. Yeah. Like there was the zoomer type thing. There was like a big, like I, I want to say like Cadillac, yeah. type type big fat wide well, one. There was like a double. The wide
0: one reminds me a bike. lot of what <laughs> what Luke and uh, Obi Wan use in Star Wars, going over the desert to get to. Um,
1: Mos Eisley. Mos Eisley, Like, yeah. it looks
0: like that. I'm sorry, it does. And then there's like the double zoomer. So it looks like two zoomers next to each other that are like connected. I feel like
1: I used that one a lot when I was playing uh, see, the game originally because, because it's it not too fast.
0: Yes. And it didn't and blow it won't up blow too up. easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was faster than the big fat one, like you said. Right. No, but it, it's things like that. But that's what I mean. It's so different in that sense. You interact more with the greater world in Jack 2 than you ever did in Jack and Daxter. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not isolated. You're not isolated to just individual things. Like everything is kind of more intermixed and interflowing. But my point is, you still have those throwbacks to the original game of the zoomer. Is just there's just a lot of those zoomers now around. Like there's right. not just the one and. Uh, I hope it doesn't that's, spoil I, for you because it's it's really within the first hour of the game you yeah. meet uh, a precursor head. Oh, like the, the head! Big, the big head that talks to you. Yeah, and that's something from the old game, and that's I love how they bring those elements into the new game. Again, it still felt like a Jack and Daxter game, despite being very different than the original Jack and Daxter.
1: And I, I know I use this phrase a lot. I do remember there being a lot of touchstones to the original, even if I didn't play the original as much. I do remember as as you said that it felt like a Jack and Daxter game mm-hmm. in a just totally different updated world.
0: Right, and that was that was the brilliant thing. It was it was still Jack and Daxter, but an updated world. The other really big general nuance that Jack and Daxter was black and white. There was a good guy and a bad guy. Dark yeah. eco is bad, all other eco is fine, it's fine. Jack two in going for that mature themes and we are a more mature game, there are Greys there are greys in this world, and it just, it is well done that they interweave that there's gray in the world. And it makes it a more mature game and an enjoyable game because of that. It's more, there's more depth to this game because there are greys.
1: I'm definitely looking forward to playing this again. So all of that being said, I have an inkling, and this is kind of weird because again, you've played it recently-ish. What is your rose-tinted score? You could even phrase it. What's your pre-podcast score?
0: So I'm I'm gonna say resident score of what did I give it like the first playthrough or two? I won't uh-huh. bring in my later plays. Jack and Daxter will probably be my favorite of the series because it was the first. It's the first time I 100%ed a game by myself. There's something special about that. Mm-hmm. I still loved loved Jack Two. I still yeah. played it a lot. Even you know back when. we were kids and i played it on the ps2 all the time and it was a game it was a comfort it was another one of my comfort games that i could go back to and play a lot so i'm giving it a 9 out of 10. i just really love this game i really loved it and and i loved how as i matured as a gamer and as a person this game matured with me it felt like it was a more mature game than mm-hmm. Jack and Daxter, and it fit what I needed at the time as a gamer and as 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 a human, and I loved that. <laughs> I gave it a nine. I'm going to give it a nine out of ten for one back then. What about you, Chris? What is your rose tinted score?
1: I'm I'm going to do the same and give it a nine because I I do have very very fond memories of this game. I'm pretty sure this was my favorite out of the three, yeah. and and I would go back and play this a lot. I mean, probably both of us did.
0: Yeah, and, and I will say it a lot. I think it's most people's favorite of the three. Yeah. It just it brought all the greatness of Jack and Daxter and evolved in mm-hmm. them. And while I will be the exception of loving Jack and Daxter probably more, it's more of that is pure nostalgia of why I like Jack and right. Daxter more right. than it's a better game.
1: So what do you think you're gonna give it looking at it at a at a more critical eye? See,
0: yeah, now. this is where the more recent playthroughs yeah. come into play. I think nostalgia will always take I I'm still gonna give an eight out of ten going to give it an 8 out of 10. It's not going to be as good. There's definitely going to be faults in it. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to love playing it. I'm going to still see how amazing and I'm going to laugh at the jokes I've heard a million times still. Like, I'm going to love it. And so it's going to be at least an 8 out of 10. What about you? Where where are you predicting this score to be?
1: I'm super, super torn between a 7.5 and and an 8 because I feel like based on even, you know, through Rose Tinted Glasses and going back and playing Jack and Daxter, That it's still going to be a well constructed game.
0: I'm really tempted to make you take that seven and a half because it might be one of the few times you rated a game lower than I did predicted.
1: (laughs) That's fair. I mean, I'm I'm fully willing. I'm I was super super torn. So let's just go with the seven and a half. I'm gonna make you take it because I think yeah. That's. (laughs) I'm worried that the gun mechanics aren't going to hold up and be frustrating. Yeah, that is my. That is my worry because I feel like they had such a, a big part of this game. So that's that'll I'll hedge my bet that way and say a seven and a half for my predicted score.
0: Producer Kyle has corrected me. We've each undercut each other four times, so we are even. Huh? I take it back. You can give that eight if you want to.
1: <laughs> no, I think you convinced me to go with the seven and a half though because I am going to hedge my bet with the... Wondering if the gun mechanics aren't going to be as good.
0: That's fair. So,
1: I do, re- and I can't remember if it was this one or, or the third one where there were a couple missions that really, really pissed me off. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they were all escort missions. Going back to another trope of the day.
0: I'm yeah. Or, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of escort missions in both of those games. I don't.
1: I do remember having is... a hard time with those. So I, I'm interested to see how those go.
0: I want to say you are are not incorrect on that one. <laughs> I want to say there are a lot of escort missions. But we will find out. I'm super excited to play this again for the millionth yeah. time. I can't wait to see you play it again. So let's go play some Jack 2. I'm ready to go back to the present and talk even more and probably gush even more about this
1: game. <laughs> Sweet. Let's go. So we are back in the present, which means we can actually talk about the game since we've played it. Katie, please explain the very convoluted plot of Jack 2.
0: So at the start of Jack 2, Jack, Daxter, Kira, and Samos the Green Mage go through a precursor portal and end up in what looks like a futuristic world. And almost immediately Jack gets captured with Daxter doing the classic line of, I'll save you as soon as possible. And then it literally cuts to two years later, which the PSP game Daxter falls into those two years, actually. So that is kind of a fun way that they did a side game that fell into those two years but at that point Jack has been used as an experiment has been tortured during this whole time period but Daxter finally rescues him two years later And in the process, they go and join the underground to overthrow the Baron who had been experimenting on Jack as he is the ruler of Haven City, the city we have ended up in. And they're also fighting the Metalheads, who are creatures that are kind of roaming the outside of the city and trying to kill everyone.
1: Which appeared when you start going back in time at the start of the game. Yes.
0: So then we find out that this isn't back in time. This is actually the future of Jack and Daxter's world. They're actually moved through time into the future. But somehow we find out, by the way, this is very spoilers heavy. I'm going to throw that out there. This is very spoilers heavy. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: You find out it's the future. Even though it's the future, you meet a younger Samos the Green Sage who is the head of the Underground. And his big mission is he's trying to not only overthrow the Baron, but he finds out that this young boy is actually the heir of Mar and the rightful ruler of Haven City. So he's trying to put him back on the throne. Everything goes tits up, and the Metalhead leader ends up killing the Baron.
1: (laughs) Sorry, I can't believe you said tits up.
0: (laughs) I, I feel like I'm not
1: wrong. No, you're not wrong.
0: It all goes pear-shaped.
1: I'm 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 doing a bad job because I'm pulling away from the bike, but that killed me. S is whack, yo.
0: <laughs> so, with the Baron dead, the Metalhead leader is trying to destroy all of Haven City and everything we know that exists. Lo and behold, though, when we go to confront the Metalhead leader in his nest, we find out that the kid who is supposedly the heir of Mar. Is Jack as a child? Dun dun time dun, travel! Time travel loop! And so you find out Jack actually was the kid. He is the heir of Mar. We end up defeating the Metalhead leader, of course, and sending our child version back to the past with the younger Samos. That's how that works out. To raise him back in the past, to re-experience Jack and Daxter, complete the time loop, and older Jack, who's been tortured, stays in Haven City to live out the rest of his life in his timeline.
1: Get that stable time loop. Also, we should note that one of the advisors that you met early on in the story was the metalhead boss. Yes. Which was a kind of a twist. Yeah,
0: the twist is that one of the old men who was watching over the child was the metalhead boss in disguise.
1: This was super interesting, again, because these are like bits and pieces that I kind of remembered and I didn't want to say it on stream because I didn't want to spoil it but it's like I remember texting you I was like yo Core's a metalhead yeah and
0: that's why it's funny I played this game more recently but I also played it a lot more than Chris did I played this a ton as a high schooler and then I actually downloaded the PS3 version and the PS4 version and have played it within the last couple years so mine was a little cheaty in, in my knowledge of the game but I think a lot of it did come from just having played it so many times, not just the recency of my playthroughs.
1: Well, I think we figured out that I was in college yes. when this game came out, right? So it was one of those, I probably played and watched you play, and we played it together on, like, summer I'm, break I'm when I was I'm convinced you in college. played it, actually,
0: because it came out in November 2003. And so you were in college, you started college that year, and I'm convinced you played it. In your winter break in January, because you had a month off,
1: I think so. That absolutely makes sense.
0: Now that we've finished the plot, let's get into the actual gameplay itself. Chris, Jack and Daxter was a really simple platformer at the end of the day. In fact, the developers talked about how much Super Mario 64 influenced Jack and Daxter and how they really based a lot of the look and feel on that kind of feel of game.
1: And the moves, yeah. And,
0: and moves. Jack 2. Is nothing like that. They added so much to it. What did they add to it?
1: They made it from a very discreet go into this area, go into this area, go into this area to a more open world sandbox, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, and added not really side quests, but they added things like vehicles, they added guns, they added a hoverboard, they added a mecha suit, which they called the Titan suit type thing. And so it was, it was actually a really good expansion from the first game. So you went from a pure platformer to a platformer that involves shooting, and it involves puzzles, and it involves vehicle sections. It was a very pure sequel in the best sense of the word.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the key is you could go straight from playing Jack and Daxter, and you go into Jack Two, and you know how to double jump, roll jump, spin yeah. kick, punch. Those are exactly the same. It feels exactly the same. You know how that works, and they build from there. They add all of these elements that they build from. It feels like a Jack and Daxter game, despite being that hard right turn that we talked about in the trope yeah. of being completely more serious and actual in-depth plot, but it feels like a Jackson Daxter game. And the they're very self-referential. And we talked about one of our earlier tropes was breaking the fourth wall. And Daxter does that all the time. Like at yeah. one point, he actually calls out the fact that he's like video game rights when he's signing a contract. Yeah. Which is just amazing. The point is, you feel like you're still playing a Jack and Daxter game. And they make fun of themselves. So in one of the first missions you do, you grab a flag and you get the music from Jack and Daxter of celebrating...
1: That was such a great throwback, yeah. You
0: celebrate the power cell and then the whole thing breaks down and the building falls apart.
1: And you fall, yeah.
0: (laughs) And you fall and it's like, okay, this is what you knew and this is how we're changing it. And they did that so... Well,
1: Even in the very start of the game, Daxter uses a line from the Precursor Legacy where after he rescues Jack from the Baron, he says, Jack, just say something. Say something. And then all of a sudden, and this is a big thing because Jack talks for the first time. And this is the Cerebus Syndrome. He jumps up and goes, I'm going to kill the Baron. And you're like, whoa.
0: So... I was so happy to watch producer Kyle play this for the first time. Cause it was before we even recorded the Rose segment. Cause I wanted him to be completely unspoiled on it. And he played that and he had the most beautiful pure reaction of Jack talks. <laughs> yeah. Was, yes, this is what I needed. I needed that moment of, Oh my God, Jack is talking. <laughs> And again, I love the Jack and Daxter series and the feelings and the emotions that that series brings come out in this game. This game makes you yeah. love and remember Jack and Daxter. However, it has evolved. They added a lot of things. I think they added a lot of things that caused problems.
1: I think they added a lot of things and then wanted you to experience them and then made it too much.
0: There was a lot going on. So you talked a little bit about some of the things they added, but that doesn't even cover all the different mechanics that they added to this game. Yeah. So we had eco in the first game. You had all the different types. In this game they have just one type of eco that you're interacting with and it has different sets of powers. So you had to deal with dark eco through the game. You had the guns, which is another offensive weapon. You had the zoomer which were similar to the zoomers in jack and daxter but there were a lot more different types and you had to do a lot more different things with them and there were different levels to go through then you had turrets which you had to oh god the turret section the turrets were were rough so rough and the titan suit sections where you died a lot
1: Well, and they went from kind of a platforming setting to a city. They plop you down in Haven City, where there are people running around, like random people walking around, cars, and they had the mechanics of you could fly on the top level, you could fly on the ground level. They added guns...
0: They added four different types of guns, which was a debate we ended up having with people on the stream of what is the best gun, which is kind of interesting, but it added a lot of extra elements and it was interesting, but it got really complicated really fast. Yeah. And the guns were another moment that even though it was so different than the original game of Jack and Daxter. There obviously were no sort of guns in the original game. I still felt a connection to the original game because the color scheme they picked for the guns. Red yes. for the scatter gun, yellow uh-huh. for the blaster, blue for the vulcan and purple for the peacemaker those were the eco colors and the fact that they kept those there just it made you feel like you were back in the original game
1: no green though
0: but green was the health your health package you picked up were green and it looked like green eco you're picking up. Those moments of callbacks essentially because even the type of gun, a red gun which was scatter was like the red that just made you stronger versus yellow which was the shooting like the blaster or that shot mm. off and the Vulcan was blue which was blue energy which made you quicker and so it was a quick gun versus the purple dark eco which was the powerful AOE type thing. It just to me, even if I'm exaggerating and they didn't think that deep, I can make those connections because it's a colors and I think other fans did too
1: yeah this game added so much depth it added things like quests very specific missions because before it was that and I I hate to go back to that Mario 64 because they definitely kept going back to that you go into an area and it says here are your power orbs for this area
0: yeah power cells that
1: was not a thing in this game thank you power cells in this area and in this game it was here's the map go talk to this person and here's the quest. So it was a kind of a complete departure in that sense of mm-hmm. you've got the area. You have to talk to the specific person and go do this thing.
0: But they did give you options of there are three different quests on your map. Which do you do first?
1: And it's funny because I kept treating those as like side quests, but it's really not. It's just do these quests whenever.
0: They had the missions. They had the different areas you had to go to. The callbacks to the original game are there, but they they evolved everything. It felt different. It felt deeper. It felt more in depth. It was really funny watching the stream and having Chris be like, this is a lot like Uncharted. And I was like, who did Uncharted,
1: Chris? Who, Who did Uncharted? Yeah yeah that was the late game level where it reminded me a lot of assassin's creed with like the templar tomb type levels mm-hmm. where it was like this weird mix of platforming and then shooting and then puzzles and it was like man this reminds me a lot of uncharted and then you went in the chat who made uncharted yeah all right naughty dog yeah, naughty dog <laughs> i guess that makes sense <laughs> but they did that weird mix and you could almost feel like it's like all right I'm in the shooting section, now I'm in the platforming section, now I'm in the puzzle section.
0: And that was kind of a cool moment of, again, you look, and if you were to look at Uncharted and then, let's say, Crash, both made by Naughty Dog, you'd say, how did they get there? Jack. Jack is how they made that leap. And you wouldn't think it until you play them, and you're like, I see how they made the leap from one to the next. And that's, that's really cool to see the evolution of the game studio, not just of the games.
1: Jack had a bunch of those pre-Uncharted moments where you're doing the cinematic run away from something. Yes. Where you're running. you All of a sudden, you're running through a corridor being chased by a spider or by a gigantic centipede. Yeah and you can't see anything in front of you.
0: So let's talk about those frustrating moments of this game. Oh, God. Because there were unfortunately a lot more than I remembered, and I think you experienced a lot more frustrating moments than I did. There were a lot of frustrations that came with this game. I will say before you get into your frustrations, Chris, there's one thing that frustrated me about your gameplay. (laughs) which was your use of guns. Good lord, how you used your guns. I just, I cannot handle it. So talk to me a little bit about your favorite gun and how you overused the ammo and drove me crazy.
1: I was very committed to the blaster, which was the single shot long range yellow ammo because it was the best
0: it was the most versatile. Was, I will give I you it the, most the most versatile. I think it was the most
1: versatile. So it was your single shot. You could do some combo stuff. You could, the the old spin from the original Jack and Daxter would shoot in a circle. It was powerful enough. You could hit from long range. You actually had to aim. So it had a little bit more punch. So I used that blaster ammo except when it was super short range and I went to the scattergun ammo. And it's funny because you say that and I was very bad at switching ammo in a pinch. But you loved the Vulcan cannon, which I hated that. So the Vulcan
0: cannon was very similar to the blaster in that you could do all the combos with it, but you shot more often. But that was the worst part of the Vulcan was you also ran out of ammo way too quickly because of the machine gun aspects of it. That was, it.
1: yeah, the rapid fire.
0: But the point is, there were so many times with the blaster that I'm like, Chris, stop shooting. Stop shooting. <laughs> stop
1: shooting. That was that was my panic mode whenever something bad happened, I would just do the little spin move with the blaster and just shoot blaster everywhere.
0: And I did too, but then I would switch to other weapons so I didn't yeah. waste too much ammo. And you killed me because you just refused to use anything but the blaster.
1: I, I feel like I frustrated you a lot because again, you knew where to go in this game. And I remember watching your playthrough and just being like, you're doing this so much better than I am. And that's annoying.
0: <laughs> I, I, I played it way more recently and I played it where more, way more often, which I think was the key. I just knew instinctually where to go a lot of the times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is a big deal with this because we've alluded to it before. There are not a lot of checkpoints in this game. It's, it's divided up into little missions. And the missions aren't even that long, but they're incredibly difficult. At and times. have such a razor thin margin of error.
0: Well, and that's the criticism that popped up earlier that we talked about is that there were so many times where I would see both of us, because I knew the levels better than you. We'd get to about 90% through a mission and die. And yeah. so you'd lose so much progress, which just was so brutal. And there were times that felt like you naturally should have a checkpoint here. There's a cutscene with yeah. cutscenes comes checkpoints. I talked about it in our last episode of Gamer Instinct, of this is what gamer instinct tells me. In a gamer instinct, when you have a cutscene, if you have autosaves, there's normally a checkpoint. That right. wasn't always the case in this game. And that hurt. It hurt.
1: It was awful. The number of times where you would struggle through a level and finally get past a, a little bit. And you're like, all right, this is good. I'm, I'm in like a solid platform, solid area. I'm going to move on. And then you would die. And then you would be immediately thrown back to the beginning of that mission. Yeah.
0: It's brutal. And there was... One moment, particularly near the end of the game, that Chris was playing through, and it was when the giant metal head is chasing you through the underground area with sig. and I sarcastically told Chris in the chat because, again, oh, text chat doesn't help. <laughs> I said, oh, and they totally give you a good spot in the middle. That doesn't mean you have to start from the beginning. And he's like, oh, good. And I panic wrote, no, no, I was being sarcastic. You do have to start <laughs> at the beginning. And Chris didn't see that. Yes,
1: and then I died and was at the beginning. and. It...
0: Until he was back at the beginning. And I felt awful because I was genuinely being sarcastic, not trolling. And was like, oh, God, he took it seriously. No.
1: That was an interesting example of how this game worked because there was a, again, a puzzle story section and then a small platforming section and then a frantic platforming section where you're being chased by something and it's cinematic and if you die you've got to go through that whole thing again like that's my thing the there weren't enough checkpoints in this game because they would send you through areas that weren't hard they were just tedious
0: yeah and that's exactly it
1: So it's like, I've got to do all of these jumping around. I know I could do this. Why would you send me back through that again? Because it felt like in the original Precursor Legacy, it did a better job of, all right, you got through this small area. Now you don't have to. Like we cut it off. You're good now. And this game was so bad with that.
0: And it was obviously noted by the critics. I don't think as a kid, I noticed it as much because I was just so focused in and maybe I had eight hours a day to play through this game. It was right. way more noticeable as an adult when I had a much more limited time span to play it and I was like, I need it I only have two hours tonight to play this. And so having to repeat the same areas over and over again because you only are dying in the last five percent of the area. Yeah. It was it was rough at times.
1: I found that this game was very bad to play at <laughs> ten o'clock and later at night.
0: At because I would night. just get
1: so mad at that point. And then I would come back the next day. And and this is such a classic platformer, just gaming in general thing where you hit a level and you hit a wall, you take a break, you take a long break, and then you just nail it the next time through.
0: It's funny how that works sometimes that you're just like, oh, I did this so much easier. <laughs> And, and that's the thing—is like you'd have those moments of taking that moment away from the game, and suddenly everything was clearer. Or suddenly everything was easier, and you had that it's moment again. So weird. It it helped. That it wasn't probably midnight when you were doing it. The game punished us at times we weren't expecting.
1: We haven't talked about so much of this game. Yeah. Like we haven't talked about the hoverboard barely.
0: Yeah. With all the things they added, like things like the hoverboard and all the aspects of the hoverboard they added, like the tricks, like the grinding, like another method of getting around.
1: It was weird. Yeah, because the tricks meant nothing.
0: Well, if you did a 360, you went faster, by the way.
1: Or if you jumped and then jumped again, you went faster. But really, the only thing that mattered was that grinding because they made you grind around a couple levels. So it was this element that they added and all of a sudden you had to grind a rail to move around a part of a level. And they put that everywhere.
0: They were hoverboard required missions multiple times. They absolutely added all these mechanics like the hoverboard, like the Titan suit, like even the cars, and then required them in certain missions, which is where you couldn't avoid these new mechanics
1: yeah and they had races with the the zoomers which you kind of knew from the last game mm-hmm. but the zoomers could blow up
0: yeah and
1: and that's why this game was probably obnoxious to speedrunners because things like civilians walking around crimson guard running around so throwing back to the trope of the day from a couple episodes ago with a one in meter, if you ran into the Crimson Guard, all of a sudden the the map would go red, all of a sudden they would all start shooting you, turrets would pop up. And these were elements that were just completely out of nowhere. So you're trying to deal with things like races, driving around. And that was so hard. Like there's there's so much randomness mm-hmm. that this is a speedrunner's nightmare.
0: Yeah. And that's why I didn't bring up the speedrunner scores because it doesn't feel as relevant in this kind of episode. I'm curious, yeah. Chris, how different do you think our playthroughs were? How much influence do you think my recent playthroughs and my more often playthroughs were?
1: versus yours i definitely watched your playthroughs and and crib some notes on how to do things (laughs) because because you clearly know how to go through a lot of these levels especially the the penultimate part where you're running through the metalhead nest and you took a couple shortcuts and i was like oh that's how you do that because I definitely brute-forced my way through a lot of things <laughs> and it was incredibly frustrating. Like we alluded to very early in the episode and you said this is the most frustrated that you've <laughs> seen me in a game. And I think it was the bomb bot level? Yes. So there's robots that are walking around and you have to blow them up. And eventually you figure out that you need to jump in one of the vehicles and shoot these things.
0: And I think you missed a lot of the things that you actually realize later on is that the game tries to signpost for you as much as possible it does so it's like hey you're getting a bunch of ammo because you're about to fight and you know that a fight's coming up but there were certain missions where it's like hey there's a car right here for a reason grab the car and i would be yelling at you on the stream being like (laughs) use the vehicle chris it's there it's there and you figured it out eventually Maybe.
1: It took a bit. (laughs) I was trying to ignore you for the most part because I wanted to do my own playthrough. And then we got towards the end game and then I just got mad. So it's like, geez, Katie, help me.
0: I tried not to say too much in chat. I wanted to give you enough advice to head you in the right direction, but I yelled more than I chatted (laughs) of the things I wanted you to do.
1: So in keeping in Jack and Daxter tradition, the camera angles were awful in this game.
0: Oh God, they were so bad. The fixed cameras at times, the moving yeah. cameras at times. It the just...
1: fixed camera angle in, in especially a lot of boss fights were terrible.
0: Yeah, it was just good Lord. There were moments of like, turn the, ca- no, turn the, ca- turn the. Why cam- can't I look?
1: <sighs> there were a couple of platforming sections where it's like, I can't turn the camera. So I can't try to judge. Yeah. where I'm jumping. So it's like, well, I guess it's just a blind jump.
0: Jump to the abyss. But I mean, that is, an, it made it feel like Jack and Daxter.
1: <laughs> that is true. And that's one of my big faults with this game is I think that there should have been more checkpoints or they should have made it better. Not better, <laughs> but like easier. I don't know.
0: I think you're getting to the point though where we need scores yes wanted this game to be better so at the end of the day chris what is your final score for jack 2
1: i'm gonna give it a seven because i think the bones were there for a great game but they made it a little bit too hard because even if these little mini missions like any mission was was short the margin of error was so tiny it made it frustrating to play
0: I think the one quote of they expected you to be perfect and that's not fair is an interesting quote.
1: Yeah, I loved the game. It was a great sequel. The world building was amazing. The individual missions were a little bit hard to follow and annoyingly complex. What about you? Uh, you've played this more recently than I have. What would you give this game on our most recent playthrough?
0: So knowing that it's been ranked as one of the most difficult games on PS2 makes me feel slightly better about it because there were moments of frustration. <laughs> but at the end of the day, for me, I love this game. I love this series. Nothing will change that. It's a nine out of 10. I adore this series. It,
1: oh. it
0: makes me so happy. And I think you're too harsh on it because of your recency of frustration bias. I think so. I think yeah. you're getting a little angry at it, which is fair to a certain oh, extent. Oh, yeah. But I am way more willing to forgive it. I am going to be the nice one in this episode, unlike normal. Yeah,
1: you're being, you're being me. You're, I'm
0: being Chris.
1: I love the game. I think it had some flaws in its design. I, I don't
0: think they didn't have flaws. I think the good parts of the game outweigh the flaws by far, and I just adored this game so much. I will play it over and over again. This isn't the first time I've played it. It's not going to be the last time. I'm going to play it over again. I'm probably going to get the Platinum eventually. I love this game. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. I have no qualms about giving it a 9 out of 10. I don't care. It doesn't (laughs) make me sad.
1: I've I've watched you get mad at this game, which again is fine.
0: But I don't care. I don't That's care. fair. That's fair. I love this game. So I would recommend people to play it. If you've never played the Jack oh, Daxter yeah, game. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely play, play it. Play
0: this game. I love it. It's available as the Jack Collection. It's a well worth the money you pay for these three games. I adore yeah. them. Play them. Go have fun. Enjoy Naughty Dog before they were the darkest that they are now. Yeah. And play some Jack. It is one of my favorite series of all time, and I, I will not back down from that. It's.
1: I mean, it's a great series. The, the world building is good. The narrative is good. I think that the checkpoints were awful and I hated myself many, many times, but definitely go play it because, and it made me laugh because there are literally times when I was going through this playthrough and it's like, remember when I said this was my favorite Jack game and I hate myself <laughs> right now, but I hated myself slightly less than going through things like, Mario or any of those (laughs) other super punishing games. There
0: you go. So that wraps up our Jack 2 episode. Go out and play it if you have the opportunity. We adore this series. I don't know if we'll get to Jack 3 just because it doesn't... It's really falling outside that retro game category. But also we need to cover other... We have to cover other series, let's be honest. As much as I love it. But Mm -hmm. check it out sometime. And you can check out our next episode. The next game we're going to be covering is...
1: The next game is going to be Mario Kart 64.
0: Back to the Nintendo. Yes. Check us out for our next episode of Mario 64. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode for one of my favorite games of all time. Check us out on all of our social media at GWGW Show, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We try to be active as much as possible. Really come join us on Twitch. That's where you're going to get the most interaction. We love having you there. We'd love to get to affiliates soon, so that'd be awesome.
1: Twitch is a great place to see what games we're going to play for upcoming episodes and a great place to hang out and talk with us. Do you have a game that you would love to see us play? Let us know because we're always searching for more games to play.
0: And it's really fun seeing us get angry. I'm not going to lie.
1: Oh, you were so happy mad seeing me get mad at Jack 2.
0: I think it keeps us human to be angry in video (laughs) games. So join us as we're humans on the internet, getting angry because we're not professionals. We're just having some fun. Join us there. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, thank you for listening to the episode. Thank you. We always are looking for five-star reviews. We'd love to be able to call some of those out. We really appreciate everyone who's given us five-star reviews thus far. We'd love some more.
1: Big thanks to our producers. They are keeping us on the straight and narrow and making sure we don't ramble too much.
0: Thank you. No, we love our listeners. We love everyone who joins us on Twitch. Thank you so much for joining us and say goodbye, Chris.
1: Goodbye, Chris.
0: Bye, everyone. Of what? Speedrun. 56 minutes!
1: Oh, f*** off. <laughs>